0: Hum dum da dum da ha dum ha dum da ha dum dum ha Yes indeed. Hello and welcome to the Yes Indeed podcast. This is the ninth iteration of an episode. It is February
1: 1. Nope, both ones. <laughs> <laughs> February 11. Who are you? I'm Ben Zager. Hi! And who are you? I don't exist. You're Brian Computer. Yes, and uh, and we're here to talk about some things. What are they? Uh, board games and concerts and video games. What are they? Oh, we're talking about <laughs> <laughs> Captain Sonar, trains and seasons for board games. Yeah, and then we're also talking about you going to a couple of cool shows. Jose Gonzalez and Adult Mom. Yeah, and I'm made a short film. Yeah. Uh, that's interactive, so we'll talk a bit about that. Yeah. And then you've been playing a lot of this game called Slay the Spire. Yeah, you've been slaying Slay the Spire. Yeah, I just can't wait to talk about trains. <laughs> we'll get there.
0: W a weeping s and d away. These are the, the keys to my heart. Unlock
1: it. Restart it. Yes, indeed. It's like the steps without the stairs. It's like Jesus Christo without the prayers. It's like the prayers without the beads. It's like the gerbil without the breeds. It's like the breeds without the puppies. It's like the fishies without the guppies. So Captain Sonar is a game in which it's basically like Team Battleship, where you have you have two teams that uh, are in submarines and... It's up to four players each team, so the game plays up to eight people. It's based on the Beatles song, Yellow Submarine. Except with more killing of the other Yellow Submarine. <laughs> so, I don't think the Beatles' love is all you need mentality would fit well with that. John Lennon. John Lemon. Like a Yellow
0: Honestly, Submarine. When life gives you John Lemons, make lemonade.
1: Anyway, so you're in teams of of four, up to four, and, and your your objective is to uh kind of avoid (laughs) avoid the enemy submarine figure out their position uh track them down and sink them how are you gonna do that so each (laughs) each team (laughs) ryan's feeling fun today um each team is composed of people (laughs) who fill roles on the ship so there's a captain a first mate position an engineering position and a radar position so uh when you have fewer than four people, people double up jobs, and when you have four people, each person has a job. So the captain's uh, job is to just pick a heading and make sure that the ship is ready to move. And then whenever the ship is ready to move, they have to say that they're moving north, south, east, or west. And then the rest of the crew has to do stuff to make that happen. Um, so uh, that's what the captain does. The first mate is the one who is sort of like the communication hub between the other people on the team, because uh, again, this this game doesn't take place in turns; it happens in real time. Real time. So, uh, so the first mate is helping with communication. They're also kind of helping to equip the ship with with good things, with benefits, uh, so like that they what? can uh, they can either do things to help attack, like mines or torpedoes. Ooh, they can dangerous, do things, dangerous. Um, <laughs> they can also do things. To help get information, like use sonar scans and uh, something else, sort of like a sonar scan. Yeah. Uh, And then... Drone? I think it's a drone. Uh, And then they can finally uh, do this thing called silence, where you just move quickly and silently. Um, So their job is to help the team, whereas the engineer's job is to hurt the team. Yay! So the idea is... And Brian's very good at that. That's the only thing I'm good at in this game. (laughs) So... Uh, whenever the ship moves it has to take some damage um, and if you take the right kinds of damage it ends up uh, mitigating itself and and not leaving permanent damage on the ship so that means a lot of times submarines will move in patterns because if you go
0: like three south then east all of those you have little circuits that you can complete on your engineer board and if you do that then you get to wipe them all clean mm-hmm. and the other way, thing about the engineer board is that on the board, whenever you knock out one of these things, there are these there are symbols of whatever the um, of that skill. Right. So so that the first mate has. So if it was torpedoes or mines or sonar or drones or whatever silence, you have to mark out one of those symbols. And as long as any of those symbols are marked out on the engineer board, then that action can't take place. Right. So it takes a lot of coordination as the team of being like, oh, what are the what's the thing we want to prioritize right now torpedo we know we're there. okay i'm not gonna cross out any reds but that means that i'll probably be marking off stuff so that we can't do any of the other things right or we have to move in a circuit
1: so that i can clear clear things out right Um, uh and then the the last position before we get into the gameplay itself is the radar person and the radar person has uh, a very fun job where they're basically just listening for the other team's captain and when they make movements they track them we're
0: going north
1: and then they mark that the other team went north. And uh, and then the idea is that they're, they're, they are they're have kind of like a see-through sheet on top of the map and they're seeing like around the land masses where you're fighting or the, the uh, ice floats or whatever, uh, you you end up being able to, to figure out exactly where the, the enemy can be just because of where they ended up moving. And, uh, and then they have to communicate that information to the captain so the captain can get the first mate to equip the right rep weapons to get everybody aligned so you can finally take the shot cuz if
0: even if you know where the enemy is if you're not next to them then it's all for naught right um so there's this really interesting mechanic of like oh we know where they are cool let's load up torpedoes and then they're like actually their captain's like they're actually like 3 sectors over yeah so we can all we can all just calm down <laughs> And we'll try to make our way over there. Because the other thing about this is, in your movement pattern, it's kind of like the game of Snake, where you're not allowed to double back on your own tail. Right. Um, so you can't just, like, willy-nilly maneuver. It is this intricate game of, like, okay, if I can't double back on my path, where can I go? Right. Um, and that's partially how you can find who the uh, how the other enemy is moving, is because they have to snake in a in one particular direction. You can't bump into islands then the the radio person's gonna know where they are based on that that longer and longer path and trying to move it around the available places people can't go and then they can narrow down on where they are.
1: Yeah. And and then the final the final rule is Nope. Uh, the final boss of the rules is that you can you can surface and then the engineers, all the damage that they they've done to the ship gets repaired um so and the captain also gets to wipe their trail clean right so you can double back over where you've been uh what what that entails is you have to each person in the crew has to draw it's a tracing a mini game. yeah um so you have to draw uh, accurate lines around funny parts of the ship and then finally uh you have to get approval team. from the other team yeah
0: that you didn't touch the lines, that your lines are actually finished and completed, yeah. while you're doing this thing that's like really intense, and you want to do it as quickly as possible because when you surface, you have to tell the other team approximately where you are, yeah, so they they can then beeline to you and then launch a missile at your face. Yeah, so you're trying to do this really really
1: quickly, um, which and- which I think it for me it, it walks a really nice line of either being pretty intense and also being pretty funny yeah it's compet uh, it's definitely competitive and silly right uh so i feel like and the games are fairly fast once you know all the the strange rules and mm-hmm. mechanics of how things work uh so especially if you have a group of people who have played before it's a pretty easy kind of pick up and play have a fun intense little thing and then not have it be a big deal no matter how it turns out yeah because most of the time, when when you succeed or fail in this game, it's due to discombobulation, you know. Oh, it's one hundred percent discombobulation. <laughs> and and I feel like in Catherine's some like, settings, uh, we
0: can we can go west, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the and then the first mate's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Let's supposed to check in with the engineer. Hey, can we go west? And then the engineer's like, if we go west, the entire ship
1: melts down. <laughs> <Which> <laughs> okay, <is funny>. recalibrating. <laughs> uh, so. So I think that uh, there's there's definitely potential for it to get a little bit like frustrating at times, just because uh, if if you do have a team where people aren't all on the same page, like working together really well, then you it's it's very hard to succeed, uh, and it's pretty it's pretty easy to point to like if there's one weak link, that's sort of like why there was no success. So. When, when it doesn't work, it's not always a lot of fun. But when it works, yeah, it's amazing. It's, it is definitely, you're as strong
0: as your team's weakest link. Yeah. So if the teams aren't like super nicely balanced, it's not going to feel as fair. That being said, we were playing uh, in a, like a 4v3 and it felt like we were just absolutely dominating. But at the end of the day, it was ended up being one health to zero health. Yeah, so that that did happen, but it did feel frustrating in the in the middle of the game for people, especially I think this game is definitely not for people who are super competitive and want to have 100 percent agency over whether they win or not. Right, because the the reason we like cooperative games is um, when everybody's playing, you're you're playing with people on your team and you're like, oh, you're awesome. You're helping me do that. And this game has some of that. But it also has like the shadow side of it because it's a competitive game of like, oh you're not awesome, you're the reason I'm not winning. Right. Like I want some people really like having one hundred percent control over the destiny of winning or losing. Mm-hmm. So Captain Sona is probably not for you if you're in that camp, but if you're in a if you don't mind losing, mm-hmm. it's even
1: losing in that game I think is fun. Totally. Well the, if the you're other in that mindset. The other big element of its design that I think makes it special and is also a double-edged sword where if you're this kind of person it's really cool and if you're not then it can it can get frustrating is the fact that it is completely real time so you you feel the pressure of the clock moving uh and the clock being like the enemy closing in on you to blow you up so it's a pretty high high stress Stress. 100 high, high intense game uh and if and if folks are looking for like an easy like laid-back puzzle game to like figure out how best to do what they do then it's not the right answer at it
0: all. is not Captain Sona <laughs> although
1: it could be trains.
0: Trains. trains
1: that was the noise Brian made because he was so excited to talk about trains
0: listen trains is great <laughs> it's a game called trains and the box picture a box that is boring Imagine someone tells you we're gonna play a game about building a railway network and take that situation and remove all of the enthusiasm from it and put it in picture form and that's what the box of this game looks well,
1: like. Well here's here's what I think was so cool about last week is that we've had oh, yeah. we've had multiple weeks where I've pulled out like really cool, exciting games and you've pulled out more thinky games and people gravitated for the exciting games. City planning. Last week though, you pulled out trains and people were like Whoa! I love trains. Like yeah. I get to I get to do stuff with trains. Yeah. Like some people had heard of Ticket to Ride before, and they were like, "Wait, it's like Ticket to Ride, but it's like more thinky and complicated." Like I would love to do that. Yeah. And meanwhile, I was like, "Hey, do you want to like like uh, go be a magician with me for a little bit?" And people were like, like, "Shut up with your magician uh, like, crap!" Somebody's talking about <laughs> trains right now.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, I like pull out the box. I was like, "Yeah, the box is like pretty boring, but it's a really fun game, I promise." And then. The people were like, "No, this is really exciting. Why are you <laughs> not hyped? Trains, dude, trains, trains." So but, what is what is trains? It's a. We've arrived here at the moment where at, we describe the game almost as if we were on a train. Almost. Look look out the window, listener, and see the ever changing landscape around you, and note how beautiful it is so it's basically dominion
1: (laughs) it's it's a game it's a game that it's dominion with a board right so so it's a game that's all about area control and uh deck building like you you have a a access to a pool of cards and you're trying to increase what you can do um in a way that that helps you optimize so deck building the, the most you can optimize it's not a thing that you do in your backyard
0: Although it is, but not in board games. Uh, it's so the concept is, you start at the game and you have everybody has the same ten card deck.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You draw five of those cards on your turn, you play them and then you discard the ones you don't use, and then you pick up the next hand of five. And that's that's the way deck builders always work. Um, each turn is going to be you draw five cards, you play five cards, your turn's over. So what are the things you can do? So um just like in dominion some of your cards are money and money let you buy more cards that will then be in your deck for the next time that you shuffle your deck Mm -hmm. so if you see a card that costs three you can spend three of your one monies three of your one money cards and then buy it and then now that you've bought it it's not like oh i can play it now it's like no it's in your discard pile so that when you shuffle your deck it will be there now yeah which is really cool um and then the thing that trains does with that and then innovates on it a bit is that in addition to you starting with money you also start with um this card called lay rails you start with two of them and whenever that card comes up as long as you're willing to pay for it you can lay trains on the board and those trains will help you move um will help you get to these cities and whenever cities have stations then they're worth uh, more and more victory points mm-hmm. So imagine if you go to Tokyo You move in there And then you build a bunch of stations It's it's glorious to be a, the train service For Tokyo Certainly, so, Yeah, certainly So um, the other card you have in your deck Is a card that lets you do station expansions <laughs> What? Okay, that all is great And it's there's enough game there But the awesome thing about trains Is that trains is all about garbage (laughs) What? okay so what does that mean is that every time you either lay a rail or expand stations you take a card that's called like trash you take one of them they don't do anything and you have to put it in your discard pile so the same way that you buy cards and add them to your deck to have these awesome cards the next time you shuffle you're going to have more and more trash building up from having built like rail lines and station ways and stuff like that and you can clean that clean your trash sort of yeah not well Mm -hmm. um you more or less just have to deal with it you can spend a turn to like return all of your trash to the trash pile Mm -hmm. but if you do that then you don't have a turn right so you're cleaning your deck but you're losing a turn so there's this ever constant battle in this game of like okay in order to get any victory points i'm going to need to have trains on the board in order to put trains on the board i'm going to need to get trash in my deck so you can either like blow these turns where you just discard your hand and maybe you draw that special new card in four trash cards and you it feels so terrible to waste your turn just getting rid of the trash but mm-hmm. you have to um, so you can either do that or you can do a, a deck that's kind of around mitigating the trash mm-hmm. so we were playing and um, same way dominion works some of the cards you can buy in the market are randomized so we were playing with a one called the Mail Train. And the Mail Train says, discard a card in your hand for each card you discard, you get one money this round. Mm-hmm. So Trash wasn't trash. Trash was now worth one money. There's also cards that say, like, um, you can discard any number of cards and draw that many cards. So you can discard some trash and hopefully draw a non-trash. Um, so there are ways to mis- mitigate around it, but the game is ultimately about, like, trying to figure out It's awesome because usually the way deck-building games work is that you are able to have like a really pure deck. And whoever has the purest deck of, okay, this is what I do. I draw my hand. I'm able to do this thing. This says draw three cards. Let's just let me do the thing. And I get an action. And then you do these awesome, like super amazing chain turns. Mm -hmm. Those are still possible in this game, but they're unlikely given that there's so much garbage in your deck. So I love watching people deal with the imperfection of having like awful garbage ridden decks it's it and adds a lot to the dominion equation of having to deal with this much garbage Mm -hmm. normally in dominion the only garbage you're mitigating with is when you buy victory points they don't do anything Mm -hmm. so this game also has that where you can buy like an apartment and it's worth victory points but whenever you draw it it's useless Mm -hmm. so um your decks are still that same level impure, but
1: they're like up to 11. It's awesome. And also, I mean, it fits with the theme. It's like expansion and industrialization leads to pollution.
0: Yeah. There's, there's this nice, like mini teaching people that if you just keep expanding and keep building railroads that you might actually just be really wasteful at some point, Mm -hmm. that's kind of, um, taught through the game's mechanics, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it's there's a lot of really deep gameplay between trying to decide like what ratio your deck should be of like building railroads or getting station expansions or, um, or like laying pieces because you have to balance like laying pieces on the board with having money to buy better cards mm-hmm. and also having money to buy victory points towards the end of the game. So there's the game pulls you in a bunch of different directions. Um, whereas I feel like in Dominion. You kind of need all these expansions to get these like weird, crazy combos mm-hmm. where people are like, "Oh, cool! I can do this and this and this and this." But even then, it's like each person's deck is one combo. This this game is really like, "How do you want to play?" But you also should
1: probably like spread out your bases a bit. Yeah. Um, and and one thing that that I also like a lot about it is that even though it's a it can be a kind of a heavy or heady systems heavy kind of game mm-hmm. uh, that given that it's in that world it's actually fairly simple mm-hmm. and and folks who don't have a ton of experience can pick it up and and get into the groove of getting money and buying cards and getting victory points you know yeah the, the deck building system
0: itself is so clean and simple which is i think why dominion was a lot of people's gateway games into board gaming because it let people see how awesome you could they're like these thinking puzzles could be so awesome and intricate and complex and there's a lot of replay value because you randomize what cards you play with and like those concepts alone blew people's mind but also the fact that they can invite a friend over and they could learn how to play within like 10 minutes because it just makes sense like each turn you're gonna have five cards in your hand you're you either play them or you don't it doesn't matter your turn is going to be those five cards Mm -hmm. and um like money helps you buy cards and that's it. Like that's those are the rules. Like yeah. um, it's a very simple concept, and it, it makes sense why the deck builder genre has kind of exploded into like now there's Dominion, there's Ascension, there's Trains, there's um, Star Realms, there's all these different versions that have like a little bit of flavor to it. But at their core, they're all kind of the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and then
1: there's Mage Knight, and and Mage Knight is all games in one. Game. Oh right
0: it is a deck building
1: <laughs> you right and pathfinder there's so many games
0: oh yeah no yeah. a lot of games have taken on that that like basic literacy but it's it's not even literacy like you don't even need the literacy to pick up these games mm-hmm. um definitely if you've played one before you'll be able to pick up new ones really fast but mm-hmm. um if a game like train sounds interesting to you you could pick it up and probably learn it pretty quickly i think it's pretty intuitive and hopefully we explained some of the rules, so that should make it easier to learn them on your own. Another card
1: game that that uses non deck builder mechanics, but has has an equally interesting way of using cards, is this game called Seasons. And <sighs> Seasons is one of my favorite games of all time. I think it's I think it probably is my favorite competitive game of all time. Mm. Uh, it's so thematic, it's so fun, it's, it really flows once you have a sense of how things work. It's so clean. The systems are so tight and... And, and, the, and the components are so beautiful. Essentially, it's a game in which you are playing as a magician... Wizard! Wizard, who over the course of three years... Hi, to I'm
0: Gandalf!
1: Not Gandalf. They're, they're like cute animals, basically. Yay. And over the course of three years... One's a pumpkin. One is a pumpkin, and one is a sad-looking bunny. Um, <laughs> over the course of three years, you have to prove that you are the best magician. And uh, and you can either do that by acquiring magical items or summoning powerful familiars. And the real core of the game is about uh, using elemental resources as the seasons change. So the game has a, has a component in the middle that's a tracker for time, and it shows the months of the year and the months of the year are broken down into four seasons, just like life. So, wow. Right. Um, (laughs) So, so there are four elements. There's fire, water, wind, and earth. And over the course of the seasons, they become more or less accessible based on how frequently it would make sense for them to appear. So in summer there would be more fire, but not a lot of water, you know? Um, And in the fall, there'd be a lot of air, because of all the breezes and such. <laughs> <laughs> uh, regardless, the, the, your accessibility... It's thematic. Right, it's thematic. <laughs> and the way that you, you use the resources is to play these things called power cards. And again, they can either be magical items, or they can be uh, familiars that you summon. And uh, and then the, the other really cool piece of the game is that all of your actions are determined by these like really beautiful custom-made dice. They're where, very clunky and very satisfying. Yeah, they're like pretty heavy. They're larger than normal dice. And you roll them and they have these beautiful little symbols on them to represent elements. Or whether you can increase your summoning gauge or transmute resources to get victory points or all sorts of things. And, uh, and of course, drawing cards and other things. <laughs> uh, so, uh, basically... At the very beginning of the game, there's a draft. Every player gets nine cards, and they pick one that they want to take and then pass to the next player, and they continue doing that until all the cards are, are selected, and then you choose, over the course of the three years in which the competition takes place, that you have to choose when you get each set of cards. Yeah,
0: so it's it's uh, very similar to the card drafting style of Seven Wonders, if you've either played that, or... We've talked about that before on the podcast. I think so. So basically, you'll from those nine cards, you'll take one and then pass the rest of the eight, and then you'll have the eight that the person on the left had. And then you'll pick one of those cards, and you keep going. So uh, because this game caps at like four players, once you're in a certain like three or four rounds in, then you've seen the your original cards of hands, the original hand of cards. So there's like an initial text dump where you kind of have to read all the, all your initial cards and then all the cards from the person and then the cards from the person. But then all the cards are familiar after that point. So it's really cool because it lets you start making combos in your head mm-hmm. where you're you're like, I really hope this cards still safe there way. exactly because it might not be as good for other people because they don't have your same combo. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's this really nice um, like uh completeness to that drafting process mm-hmm. and sometimes you're,
1: you're like well i guess i have this card now <laughs> yeah you get stuck at the end with the things that nobody wanted yep uh, but at the same time it also you just like you're saying you see these combos that can work uh well together you can also uh again since you have to delineate when in the game kind of at the beginning the middle or the end you have access to those cards you have to think about you know, is this card going to help me early game? Is this card going to be too expensive for me to acquire until late game? Uh, and and usually usually there's fun ways to, to use how those cards interact with one another. And one thing that I really like about it in terms of its simplicity is each card has a ton of weight to it. Um, you know, there's a lot of games that use cards as a mechanic, and you end up drawing a lot of cards and reading a lot of different possibilities of what you could do and in seasons if you if you decide to draw a card it's a big choice uh, because you do get penalized a little bit for having cards in your hand at the end of the game that you haven't played yet and in order to play a card you have to like increase what's called your summoning gauge so that you have a maximum capacity that allows you to to summon this card you have to pay a lot of resources to play it so uh, again for me it it sort of beckons a bit to like Magic the Gathering in some ways, where you kind of have resources that you use to play cards. Uh, and in Magic, you're kind of like... You get into these routines where you can have one turn where you play a bunch of stuff that all interacts together in cool combos. And Seasons really simplifies that.
0: Yeah, and it, it gets rid of the annoying bits of like land management that happens in Magic and stuff like that. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it is it's it's very streamlined. And, and hopefully some of those some of how you might space cards out kind of starts to crystallize as you hear us talking about it cuz it's like okay you need summoning, guards, car, summoning gauge card summon engage to play cards in front of you well maybe a card that increases your summoning gauge is really good to have early in the game yeah and maybe a card that costs a lot of elemental tokens that costs like 6 and you'll have to make sure you have the right ones maybe that's for the end of the game mm-hmm. so um it, picking when you when you get these cards is is insanely fun. And then when you like draw your hand for a year two and you're really prepared for them, that's really satisfying and everybody will have that same, or you'll pick up your hand and be like,
1: well, what oh, was why I thinking? <laughs> which is fun too. And, and another thing is that it plays pretty quickly. So you, especially once you know the rules, you can play a game of seasons in a half hour or so, you know? And, and
0: another thing I really, really like about it is that um, because you're relying on whatever Roll comes up on the dice, mm-hmm. you can you can have a turn like really well planned out for winter where you're like, okay, I know that there's a lot of water available. Yeah. So I'm gonna get the water and then I'm gonna play this and it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> and then the dice come, and then for some reason only the like rare element comes up and none of the common ones, mm-hmm. and
1: it, you just kind of throw
0: your hands up in the air and go, okay, what's the best thing I can do now?
1: Yeah, it is one of those games where there's a lot of stuff going on, uh, but. At any given time, you really don't have that much you can do. Mm-hmm. So it's not overwhelming like a lot of games where you can be doing 8 million things at the same time. Also, there's a character that looks a bit like a chipmunk. Which is very
0: exciting. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: yes, indeed. It's like the favor without the goody it's
1: like toy story without the woody nope (laughs) (laughs) it's like the woody without the stiff it's like the popo without the spliff it's like the spliff without the ganja it's like japanese culture without the manga so you went to some concerts this week what tell me about that
0: I actually can't
1: tell you very much about your experiences. As Contrary to popular belief, I don't actually live in your head. So
0: technically, you could say that I went to these concerts in the same week. Because one was on a Saturday, and then one was the next Friday. So we took off last week podcasting. Because more on that later. Yep. Spoiler, Ben was gone. <laughs> um, so yeah, I went to a couple concerts with our really good friend carrie mm-hmm. um i and both of these actually went to with carrie um it was both were a ton of fun it was really nice to have a friend to have there mm-hmm. but uh yeah i saw adult mom and jose gonzalez um so uh, uh jose gonzalez is a bit fresher in my mind because that happened two days ago um we also went to connecticut to see him mm-hmm. um i don't know how how familiar folks are but He's, he's one of the, one of the indie names where if you say like Jose Gonzalez, there's generally people know who you're talking about. Most people have heard like a, at least a Jose Gonzalez song. Um, he has, his like most popular song is a cover of the knife's heartbeats. Um, and it's pretty much the most beautiful song ever. Um, he's got this like really serene and, um, like very calming voice and he's, amazing at guitar like classically g- trained guitarist and his acoustic guitar is like i don't even know how he makes that many sounds with one guitar mm-hmm. um and the, all of his songs have this like constant rhythm to them which is really satisfying where um i think a lot of times in acoustic songs they don't feel as um structured exactly yeah. and and jose has these like <clears throat> doom, doom, da, doom, doom, doom. It's it's very like There's like a beat constantly going through it, Mm -hmm. um, which is really satisfying because it's, again, it's like not even the drums are producing that. It's just like really rhythmic guitar playing Mm -hmm. there. It does. He's like the ultimate lullaby singer. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, I wouldn't say there's like a ton of diversity to his songs, but there's definitely like more quieter ones. And then ones that are more like loud, but Mm -hmm. all of that being said, it's seeing him as, is an absolutely insane magical experience mm-hmm. where, um, it is really nuts to witness and partake in, in someone who's so good. Like, I
1: don't know if I've heard an acoustic guitar sound as good as I have heard it sound with Jose Gonzalez. Like, well, one, one time that I've heard an acoustic guitar sound really good with Jose Gonzalez is in life is strange. Uh, there's a moment where, uh, you're playing as Max Caulfield and Max can put on the radio and, Uh, jose gonzalez starts playing and then if while the radio is playing you have max go over and interact with her guitar she'll play guitar along with jose gonzalez and when brian figured that out it i I think that's when you fell in love honestly yeah with life is strange definitely (laughs) that is definitely a moment i make everyone i sit down and play that game
0: with play like no okay turn on the radio okay you'll pick up the guitar and play and then just sit you can just sit here for like five minutes and think oh why would I want to do that? And I'm like, <laughs> who are you? <laughs> so yeah, he's, and his voice again, it's his, his voice. I, I, it doesn't seem that special, but it is like, I have never heard a voice sound like Jose Gonzalez when he's singing. There's mm-hmm. this like gentleness to it. Um, that just perfectly accompanies the acoustic guitar. It is really nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was so, so easy to just be obsessed with what he was doing when we were there. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah it's it's the kind of he's the kind of person uh we learned from the people who were sitting next to who were like yeah whenever uh jose comes on the shuffle then we go jose (laughs) Um, but they were like but you can't do that during his set because he's not like a woo woo kind of guy Mm -hmm. he's like let's just like relax and like be together yeah um which is really cool um and yeah It's just an insane guitar, awesome voice, just this really like rhythmic lull that you were just kind of very into the whole time. Um, And then when he came out for the encore, he was riding across the stage on a skateboard and Carrie and I lost it because it didn't make any sense at all. (laughs) (laughs) And then he went immediately from having played, having just gone across the stage on a skateboard to playing heartbeats. And it was like a... freaking dagger in the heart (laughs) (laughs) so like the silly to serious differential in that moment was insane Mm -hmm. um so yeah it's he's definitely one of those people where and again it's so i had this similar experience after i um went to the ally coalition thing that i think i talked about on here where after lord performed i was like why why am I not listening to Lord like all the time? there's <laughs> um, a similar thing with Jose, I was like, "Wow, why I should be listening to him like all the time?" Like that, It's just so nice. Yeah, and I, I know I'm not often in like a zenish mode, but whenever I am, I should probably put on Jose because the again like that. There's something about that like calming sense of driving rhythm that I think is really nice. Where it's not like meandering. It is like deliberate and it's forward, but it is calming. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is like Jose as a package and it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the one concert. The other concert was Adult Mom, um, who are there. I would describe them kind of um, like indie punk adjacent there. There's there's a few artists who I, I think are very similar, like Hop Along, who are um, people who are like very lyrics driven it's very like the people who like them are like obsessed with them as a band because often you purport a lot of emotions onto this kind of music um and there's they talk about a lot of stuff um a lot of like um like interesting um lyrics there they talk about um being lgbtq and stuff like that which is really awesome right they have the song that they the female fronted band and they have a song that's called it's okay to kiss girls um which is a was a nice i think the audience was really into that one but um yeah it's just they're they're really cool and we're just like genuinely like genuine people who are like pretty funny at one point the, the bassist went up to the crowd and he was just like um do you do you know how uh what who is it um bob do you know how bob dylan's dog sounds and we were like, "What?" And he was like, "Woof!" <laughs> <laughs> when you're in the middle of hearing like a really emotional set, and then that just happens, you're like, "What is happening?" It's just because their their music. It's I mean, it's emotional, but it's it is like it's kind of punk music. So there's like energy to it, and it's fun
1: mm-hmm.
0: nonetheless. So um, definitely a cool band. Um, I think I have them in. My top albums of 2015, something like that. But, yeah, it was really good. Um, would highly recommend Adult Mom if you're into any of the, like, kind of angsty lyrics. Or if you, like, really like Jessica Lee Mayfield or, like, Lana of Talk. I think this is all, like, in that spectrum. And you'll find it and be really happy. And, um... <speaking in>
1: Yes, indeed. It's like the furnace without the heat. It's like the wrapper without the beat. It's like the beat without the
0: drum. It's like the cavity without the gum.
1: It's like the gum without the chewing. It's like the beer without the brewing. So... You were gone. I was gone. I abandoned you. Why? I I needed... I I didn't need space. I like being with you, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but we're never together. Yep, so funny. Except right now. What? So uh, I I did go away. I I was uh, helping on a film production that I wrote. Who wrote it? I did. Wow, Ben. I'm a writer. (laughs) Oh no. Keep going. Keep going. (laughs) Keep going. So uh, this is this is coming out of a month that I spent down in mcdowell county west virginia and uh that was a really remarkable experience for me you mean like a month yeah a full like month. a full month yeah a full month uh in, in a place that i had no connection to that i had never been to before and that you know at no point did i consider it a vacation it was constantly uh research and and living with people uh in, in a place that that I wanted to learn about, so uh, the big the big factor that pulled me there was to try to get a better sense of kind of small American towns today, and specifically my friend Casey and I chose McDowell County because they've had some pretty awful things reported about them um, in in the news, both around their support of Trump and opioid problems down there. And, uh, and yeah, it it was, it was very strange for me to be an outsider coming in, knowing that outsiders had come in before and kind of painted them in a really bad light and feeling like I really wanted to, to listen to them and hear what they had to say about themselves and try to try to process that somehow. Um, there's, there's a really interesting talk about how when you're telling stories that aren't from your world, if if you're doing so in a way that doesn't include the thoughts and opinions of the people that you're talking about, then you're hurting them. And at the same time, if you're able to take their, their understandings of the world and, and put them in the public conscience in a new way, then you're helping them in a way. Um, So I really, I really wanted to try as, as much as I can as a rookie to kind of do that. Well, so what came out of it was this, was this interactive piece that really looked at uh, how a community functions on the day before Christmas when they're grappling with religion and prescription drugs. So it, I think I think that one one huge part of my experiences down in West Virginia, which wouldn't necessarily have been something that I would have anticipated, is that I really did feel this this intense presence and value of Christianity, and and I really wanted to put that into the piece. Um, I my own experiences with religion have not been very Christian doctrine oriented, and at the same time, I really felt the the real power and and strength of of that force for people living in this place well because
0: it's it's at a certain point there it's not even just like religion and what you believe it's like community and
1: value and you know hope yeah totally it, it has a lot of cool functions it sort of works a bit like a community gathering place where you know when you say a prayer the people who are listening Uh, you know, whether or not there's a divine being listening, which there absolutely could be. But if if there's not, you have other people in the community who are listening and who are either wishing you well, which helps you feel more encouraged, or they'll literally take time out of their life and and go and help you with something that you need help with. Uh, And at the same time, it's also functioning as somewhat of a therapy, kind of group therapy place, because you know when you're not living in this in this elite bubble, there's no place for you to really unpack some of the difficult stuff that everyone goes through in their life, and and it's it definitely works sort of like group therapy. Like you get to you get to talk about what you're going through with people who care about you, and that's and that's huge. Um, so I really wanted to try to get a lot of that into these stories. So uh, the real the real struggle that I had in writing this piece, which uh, is sort of what I'll focus this chat on right now is that drama is conflict you know whether it's whether it's comedy or tragedy or whatever it is you need you need bad things to happen because a story that's just there once were some people that had everything they wanted and they were really happy is not a story that anybody wants to hear they there has to be some kind of struggle even if it everything ends up okay it it's about that journey of getting there Mm -hmm. so the the kind of line that I was trying to walk was to really empower the people who are living in this place while simultaneously needing to speak to some of the pretty ugly things that that are happening there uh, around drug use mostly. And also to, to have it be dramatic and, and compelling. And I, I really, I really wanted to make the characters feel like they, they, were strong independent people who had a lot of value to one another and to the world in general and they were just in a really tough situation
0: well i i remember that stuck out to me when you were first giving me that recap of mcdowell county of like that spirit of independence Mm -hmm. and like individualness where you were i think you had an anecdote about like the floods in the area Mm -hmm. that I think really stuck out to me of like who these kind of people are. Um, if you want to recount that a
1: little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know what specifically you're referring to. There's a lot of stuff about floods, um, that they went through. Um, I mean the, so McDowell County had a a lot of, uh, coal production there. And that's why a number of the people who are still there, why they're, why their grandparents or, ancestors of some kind moved there in the first place and then they that was home they stayed there and some of some of the problems are just geography you know that if you if you're in the mountains where coal exists you can't build a town on a mountain you have to build it on a flat area so they would build it in a floodplain and then when there were big rainstorms then the rivers would rise, and the town would would get really affected. And that that was livable when there was money around, but when the money left, suddenly you're just you're just taking a beating from Mother Nature, you know. And and there were two there were two floods that happened in the in the two thousands that really uh, pushed pushed things to the limit. And that's when most people left. So the the town went from a population of one hundred thousand to now there's like 15,000 in the whole county and you can feel that absence everywhere you go um, and at the same time again the community really bonded together in these intense ways when, when faced with problems uh, like a flood where uh, you know people would help each other repair their houses and pull pull debris out of the river so that the rivers could flow better and and the water levels could could be reduced a bit and uh, i don't know if you were thinking of one story in specific i mean, that that context is mostly where i was yeah so so all that you know the 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 number of stories that i heard from people living so many different lives was so vast and the resources that we had to make this this piece were not that large so so we had to figure out how to tell the most compelling story that spoke to the widest amount of the community while uh, while also not having the scope balloon too much. And uh, we focused on, on these three people dealing with three different stages of addiction in one town where they're all coming in and out of this pharmacist's um, place of work on, on the day before Christmas. And it's, it's really uh, looking at how people in the same place can be living such different lives, and that's something that that you know is one of the reasons that I find New York to be such a, a deeply engaging place to live. Is that you do have these multi multi million dollar Wall Street executives walking past people without a home every day, and it's normal, you know, and and that disparity is something that I think this interactive technology where you can shift between characters whenever you want to, when, you, when you're when you able as a viewer to put stories next to one another like that and you can see that in one moment in time there can be a family having a really powerful bonding moment while somebody else is, is in a really horrifying situation, it it starts to make you think about how, you know, we we live our lives stuck in our own world and we don't think about how other people are experiencing potentially very, very different things in, in the same instant. So, you know, right now when we're talking or right now and whoever's listening is listening that somewhere in the world, every possible thing that could be happening to a person is happening to them, um, both in the really wonderful end of the spectrum and the not wonderful end of the spectrum. So we, we thought that this would be a good piece to dig into that a little bit and try to, try to let people start to, to think and talk a bit about how, how that disparity looks now and potentially what we can start to do about it. I'm excited. It's coming. It's well, make
0: sure everybody who's listening knows how to find it when it's findable. Mm, definitely. Um, Cause it's going to be pretty good. I suspect then <laughs> I've, I haven't seen Ben come back and be that happy about a thing he's worked on
1: ever really yeah, so. and it and it's what again, uh very quickly, one of the things that I love the most about film and and video game design and stuff like that is that it is such a collaborative artistic medium and it's a lot of torch passing. It's not a lot of one person kind of spearheading everything. So I really felt like Casey and I workshopped the script to the point where... I, both of us felt it was by far the best thing that either of us had ever made and from, from a script standpoint and then to be able to to do a handoff to Casey who then did a handoff to our producer and our assistant director and our production designer and our cinematographer and everyone you know yeah. everyone who worked on the film uh, and then walked away from production going that was incredible it was the, the best we possibly could have done with that and then being able to hand it off to our editor and say, you're incredibly talented. You're going to do amazing work on this. Um, and then in the end, seeing so many people's technical abilities and creative strengths, all adding up to this incredible, powerful piece. I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens with it. Same. Knee clack, knee clack, knee clack, knee clack, knee
0: clack, knee clack, knee clack, 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 Yes, indeed.
1: It's like the chair without the squeaking. It's like the duck without the peaking. It's like the peaking without the shine. It's like the chipmunk without the turbine. It's like the turbine without the wind. It's like the smiled without the grinned. So, while I was gone, you had to find a way to fill your time and potentially your heart. I don't know if this (laughs) helped with both of those things, but it certainly helped with the time. Um, so you played this game called Slay the Spire. Slay the Spire definitely fills my heart. <laughs> <laughs> your it's brain. It certainly fills your brain. So
0: good. <laughs> Honestly, this is... I haven't had, like, this... So we talked a bit about our, like, XCOM run. So, like, that aside of fake Simba. Um, <laughs> Rip. This, this Slay the Spire gave me this, like, insane emotional high of, like stakes and like awesomeness that i haven't experienced for a long time ever really ever since i played a game
1: called invisible link Mm -hmm. um which we'll talk about some other time but well all all three of those games uh i think that you played invisible link this way but all all three of those games the way that we enjoy playing them is what's called iron man mode well there's there's no non-iron man mode in invisible Invisible Link? link oh sweet so so yeah it's the idea that that you can't load a save you can't hit undo. You know, yeah. whatever whatever happens, happens. Yeah. So uh, so the the thing that makes Slay the Spire's stake so high in a lot of ways is that when you're in the middle of a run and things start to go bad, there's no other alternative. You just have yeah. to find a way to keep going. So
0: what is it? So um, just like those, actually just like those other games, it's also what is called a roguelike, mm-hmm. which basically means that... Um, There's randomized levels and stuff like that. You more or less... The point of the game is you're going through three different maps um, of encounters. And what are those encounters? You can either encounter an enemy. You can encounter a question mark, which has either like fun little mini games. Like you have six tries to try to like match cards. Any cards that you match, you get to add to your deck. Um, Or like spin the spinner, whatever you get is your reward or... um, Actually it's just an enemy. And then there's also chests which have obviously beautiful loot for you. Um there are bonfires which either let you heal or let you improve a card in your deck. And then there's also a boss on each level. One one boss. There's also elites that you can run that are like enemies that are especially hard. Um and as long as you survive one floor with any amount of health, could be one, it could be two, you get to move on to the next floor. Um then when you're on the floor you reset your health. And you keep the deck. So this is a deck builder. Kind of like trains. um, But obviously super super different. um, Where basically you start every run. With the same 10 cards. um, And each turn you draw 5 cards. And then you play play some of them. And then the enemy goes. And then you go again. And you keep going until you die or they die. So uh, cards are usually stuff like. You have like three actions you can do on any particular turn, which generally means you can play like three cards, Uh, combos aside, which I'll explain that in a second. But um, in your deck, you start with basic cards like this card does six attack to the enemy, or this card gives you five block, which will be good for this this turn only, but will mean that if an enemy tries to attack you, then it doesn't deal damage to you. Um, So you try to play the cards best so that you take as little damage as possible, kill the enemy... And then your reward for killing the enemy is you get uh, three cards to choose from to maybe add to your deck or not. Um, also, with the op- very importantly, the option of not adding that card to your deck. So there's this brilliant thing in this game where um, you're like, oh, that card's kind of interesting, but is it going to clog up my deck? Do I really want it? Is the reward for this fight actually just... Not having to put garbage in my deck, mm-hmm. um, so the game is is absolutely incredible at um, showing you kind of what systems are just below the surface. So you can you like start seeing what decks could look like immediately. So like you start the game as one character. One there are two different heroes also, which is insane. There are two different heroes that have completely different cards and like abilities and move sets and stuff. So you play the game and. You your knowledge of the enemy stays the same, but your deck is completely different. So, so your play for... style completely different. Exactly. So like you start out as the the base hero, and he's got a card that's like it costs two actions, and it applies as vulnerable on the enemy, which means they take increased damage from your attacks. Cool. I like that. That sounds fun. I want to mess up the enemies. I want them to take more damage next turn. There's a card you see pretty early when you're playing the game that says deal five damage if that target is vulnerable draw a card and gain another action.
1: Mm. And you go, whoa. And you really start to see how not only are there ways that that cards can chain together, but there are so many ways yes. that cards can chain together. Yeah. But
0: none of that will happen if you keep taking, ooh, this card seems interesting. Ooh, this card seems interesting. If you have that and your deck is like 40 cards, the two cards that combo well are never going to come out at the same time. Mm-hmm. However, if you if you're like no i'm gonna make a really pure deck and whenever i have the opportunity to remove cards from my deck i'm gonna get rid of cards and then i'm gonna have a deck of five cards i'm gonna know what i'm gonna draw every turn it's gonna be awesome you'll go that'll go poorly for you too because the the game is really well balanced where if you aren't taking cards that help you then you won't be powerful enough to get through the early game Mm -hmm. so like yes at but like the final boss, you want to have a deck that's really pure and really capable, but you kind of need a deck that's more flexible to get to that point because mm-hmm. each of the enemies kind of requires you to play a bit of a different style. So like you might run into the birds, and they're flying, so um, it, they take half damage whenever you do physical attacks up until you deal three attacks on the same turn, and then they fall, and then they're stunned, and then they're pathetic until they get up and flying again. So that deck is, like, facing those is all about, like, I want to do a bunch of little Little attacks attacks. on these dudes. Mm -hmm. Other enemies are completely different. Other enemies are, like, if I I gain three strength every turn, and if you don't kill me quickly, then I'm going to have, like, 12 strength, and that means my attacks are going to deal 18 damage to you, and you're not going to scale to me. So then lots of little attacks aren't good. You want to do big attacks. Big attacks, and, like, make sure it's dead as soon as possible. So, um there are, all these, there are all these insane combos. I won't go into and ruin them for you. <laughs> but just know that there are so many different card interactions and in the game is so good at being addicting and being awesome because, again, all of, the, all of the onus on the deck building is on you. It's not on the game. So, like, it's definitely doable. So it is about, like, how clean are you going to make your deck? How Are you going to take that card? Are you not going to take that card? Are you going to... When you go to the merchant, are you going to buy... This card that looks nice, or you are going to get relics? Oh, I didn't even mention relics! Ah! Okay, so whenever you either find a treasure chest or you beat an elite enemy or a boss, or you can buy them at the store, you get these relics, which are like passive things that, com- again, completely change the way you play the game. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, there's one called Pen Nib and the way it works is every tenth attack you have deals double damage. So you have all these like insane tactical things you can do of like Playing a bunch of like little attacks and then having one super attack that you know you have your card that deals forty damage and then you play it on the double and it's eighty damage and you're laughing in your own awesomeness. (laughs) So all and all of those relics, some of them are kind of crap, but all of those relics are. Completely game changing, and how they interact with each other is completely game changing, and it's randomized. So, like maybe you'll get two that just like happen to insanely be an amazing combo, mm-hmm. or you'll get them and then go, okay, and now that I have this, I know I need to build my deck around this. Mm-hmm. Or you'll get a card re- that happens a lot too early, where you get a card that's rare in the beginning, and you're like, I need to make a deck around this. Um, so it just it gives itself a lot of momentum to do that, and it leaves you to be the operator. And when you fail, a lot of times you feel like I was a bad operator, <laughs> which is really fun. And um, again, it's even even like the bonfire things, which I briefly mentioned that uh, you can choose to go on them. And when you do, you can either heal and gain a huge chunk of your health back, or you can upgrade one of your cards so that it's a better version of what it is. So mm-hmm. if your attack, if you do a, a basic attack, one that goes from dealing six damage to nine damage. So if you want to have a really good deck. You should probably upgrade, but are you gonna survive? I don't know. <laughs> it's so good, and I've told everyone. Who, I've told like a few people about it, and they're obsessed themselves. Also, <laughs> it is honestly so amazing. It's in early access. Click disclaimer, which means that it's technically not a finished game. They're still looking for feedback and adding stuff, but it's definitely a game that's polished and presentable enough that you can play it. Like I've slayed the spire twice with i've slayed with each of the characters right now and i'm just going through runs to get unlocks right now because it's an awesome game where you can listen to music or a podcast while you're playing and just have a nice time and do a little bit of thinking but not too much because it's not that intense but it's awesome it's so good you should slay the spire it's so (laughs) good you should just slay the spire
1: and that's it episode nine niner 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 pans on fire Bye.